0: Welcome to the DJE podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I've got uh, our guest today is Kranti Panam and he's an operator, a multifamily syndicator. He's based out of San Diego. He's a tech entrepreneur uh, and he's got assets in the Southeast. So we talk about how he got into the business, how they're running assets remotely, how they build their capital stack, how they operate their deals, why they started a management company. Uh, So we're going to dive into all the details on that, which I think you're going to enjoy. Before we get into that, briefly, a word from our sponsors here. If you are not currently on the DJE investor list and you would like to see our forthcoming investment projects, you can sign up at djetexas.com. There's a a couple of links there to register for an investor account and we could send you case studies, you can get to know our team, etc. Also, if you're interested in pursuing a career as an operator where you're going out and buying and running these deals, where you're part of a team that's doing that, we created apartmenteducators.com as a complete ecosystem to get you there. Uh, We've got events, education, the whole ecosystem to plug you in A to Z to go do these deals. We had an event last night, fantastic event in San Antonio, and we're expanding that to other markets as well. So live events are part of that. There's an eight-part video series uh, that I teach on multifamily investing at apartmenteducators.com. You can check that out and that's free. Okay. Let's get into the episode uh, with Kranti and I. Here we go. Enjoy. Kranti. welcome to the show. How are you? Glad to have you.
1: Hey, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me today. And I'm really happy and excited to be talking to you.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So we're going to dive in and, and talk about multifamily and what's going on in the current environment, all that fun stuff. Uh, before we mm-hmm. do that, how about a little background on you? What is, has what is your uh, you know, career been and how did you come to real estate investing?
1: Sure. Great. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Kranti Panam. Um, originally born in India. Um, about 20 years ago, came here to do my master's degree in engineering and computer science. Uh, traveled quite a bit. Um, original career was in SAP consulting, did a lot of consulting jobs and then, you know, travel led me to live in san diego and i probably never wanted to leave and i never left and if you ever visited you'll know why i never left
0: san diego's Um, great love it
1: yeah um today i'm a tech entrepreneur um i own about five different technology companies primarily three active that i that i own manage run and oversee but two of them passive um, there's actually a lot to be done in the three. So I'm, I'm happy that, that that's where I've stopped. Um, I have two kids. So they, they're they like a whole different enterprise of <laughs> themselves, which yes, is that, another challenge. True. But um, yeah, my companies today cover a wide variety of areas, which are primarily IT solution services where we do a lot of Salesforce, MuleSoft, um, Consulting, Snowflake, and then I have a staffing and a background checks company. You know, all of this is a lot of tech stuff. Um, and again, you know, real estate basically is part of the enterprises that I'm um, working on and, you know, I'm kind of growing them. Um, but real estate basically comes from a background that was originally from my family side. My father was a heavy investor in real estate and, you know, my father-in-law from my my wife's side also had real estate um, experience. So, you know, basically growing up, we always had real estate land, sort of land horizontal development as part of our families. And so, you know, it was a natural kind of segue to start investing in real estate and, you know, taking on and. Today, I have about our syndication company, which is for Oaks Capital, has about 800 units um, under our management. And um, I personally have a portfolio of a little over 300 um, apartments, um, all in the Southeast, primarily Atlanta and um, South Carolina.
0: Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, thank you for the, for the overview. So... Uh, grew up with it were your was your father doing that here in the states doing real estate investing
1: no it was in, in back back home in india okay um, yeah so it was all pretty much land development in india and then you you basically sell them off and people come on to build on top of those so
0: sure sure familiar model mm-hmm. very good so in um in your multifamily holdings here uh in the southeast was that how did you get introduced to that? Was it something that you just jumped right into a multifamily project? Did you build a team first? Did you start go the single family route like some folks do? Um, what what did that look like for you?
1: Yeah, again, my I didn't start there. Obviously, my I was I was I'm a tech entrepreneur. I have my businesses. So my first um, first real estate buy was painful. It was in <laughs> Chicago, 2008. Obviously. The market was down and I thought it was a good time to buy. I bought it. Um, It was a single family home, put tenants in it. It was, you know, there was always tenant issues, HOA issues. And, you know, basically hit me hard enough that I had to take a break, right? Mm -hmm. And um, went back to buying office and, you know, really very low maintenance assets. Went back to buying my office building in San Diego and then bought um, retail strip centers in Tucson, Arizona, which I still believe are a good investment, even in this market, if you sure. really understand how to invest in retail and office. Um, So started buying uh, retail investments in Tucson, Arizona, which is a great market. Uh, obviously lived in California, but really did not invest a whole lot in California. I still have a couple condos here, which are very low maintenance, but San Diego is a great market, you know, from a rental standpoint, the appreciation is high in the rents are high, cap rates have always been compressed, one right. of the most compressed markets from a cap rate standpoint. So, you know, got hit, but, you know, picked up and started investing in probably low overhead or low maintenance assets. And then once I realized that there's great cash flow in retail and, you know, office, but appreciation is an issue, right? Your retail assets really don't appreciate a whole lot. Um, you know, but and that's where I started to pivot to understand multifamily, went into investing in a few syndicated deals that were presented to me. You know, some of the people that I worked with um went into syndication and you know, went into syndication deals that they presented. And then I saw as a limited partner. As a limited partner, yeah. Sure.
0: Great way to start. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, just was trusted them to do the right thing and you know, they all, you know. Whenever you look at a syndicator, that's the thing that I always look at. And that's what I tell people is if they ever ask is really look at the individual, right? Yes. Um, his values, his, um, his, the way he underwrote the deal, the, you know, what his background has been is, has it been successful uh, in the past and, you know, how is his ethical background and, you know, all of those checked out. So, you know, went on to invest into, in a lot of deals um, passively first. And then um, you know, I started seeing the returns. Started comparing that with the stock market return, like, and it I got intrigued. I mean, yeah, uh, we have a 401k portfolio for our employee base, um, which I see performance, and you know, we meet with our um, financial advisors and all that, and you know, started thinking the direction that, hey, if someone really saved four to five percent, and the company matches for about 30 to 40 years. And then I can never see that sustain for another 30 years once they retire, considering sure. they retire at 60 years old and they live to 85, 90. I just didn't see a path for a 401k to sustain that kind of income. But I saw the syndication model absolutely would help people retire. And you know, so that's how my you know investment philosophy or it became a personal venture for for me to make sure that the people that I've known, you know, that I've touched or partners, employees, fellow entrepreneurs, that they really start understanding this, you know, really understand the stock market returns compared to these returns. And, you know, that's how I kind of got into working with um, a group that I've always invested with and became, um, became a partner with them. 4Oaks Capital is the company, mm-hmm. and uh, that's how we got started doing deals.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you for the overview. I think that's a really smart way to do it and a very common way is to mm-hmm. learn, you know, you get exposed to the idea of a syndication in the industry, limited partner investments, relatively easy to, easy to do once you have met the sponsors and you build a relationship there and there's a trust level there which is absolutely critical. But once that's done, there's really no work to do except write the check. And you really do get to get on the plane and be a part of it, but not have to be the pilot. And then uh, if you want to take it further, you can, and and, and that's what, that's what you've done. So let's talk about market selection. You're in San Diego, you've got assets in Atlanta, you've got assets, um, you know, in the Southeast. No intention of leaving San Diego. You know, beautiful place. Um, How has that been uh, being an owner where you've got uh, remote assets?
1: It's you know if if then and our assets are typically I wouldn't say the largest size, but they're pretty pretty large in in the sense that we can have property management company, right? Uh, So, so you know, I've always invested outside of California because sure. your dollar goes further, much further. Um, used to do that in Texas too, but I think it's changing quite, quite quickly now, um, becoming like California. Um, but you know, I still believe the, the Southeast markets are a great value for money. There's a lot of, a lot of people moving there, a lot of jobs, a, mm-hmm. lot, of, a lot of companies, a lot of growth. Um, we typically invest in um, B 2 C class assets Workforce housing, you know, there's and we really need to make sure that, you know, the people that are living there have access to, you know, a job market that that is predominantly strong and has a very good outlook. You know, that's how I looked at it. My, my personal background also has some data analytics. So, you know, my, I have a team that really looks at things that we invest in what, what are their asset classes and what markets really work well. Right. So, you know, part of the analysis also drew me to, you know, the Georgia, Atlanta, South Carolina, North Carolina markets. And, um, you know, having that kind of background and I had boots on ground in terms of partners who could, you know, really walk the assets, go out there and visit. And, you know, that's how we kind of picked the market. Um, and then, you know, everything kind of started falling in place.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. And you guys are using third-party management on these?
1: Yeah, we actually started using third party management. And last year, we brought management in, um, you know, management in-house kind of okay. brought up, you know, started our own property management company, not by choice, you know, obviously, that's not where we want to be. But I think we just thought it's no one cares more about the asset than us. And our right. business plan was not getting executed, our, you know, our vacancy numbers were very high and we really needed to take on take it over know, yeah.
0: that's such a common story that was our story too uh, i never wanted to necessarily own a property management company but uh i was forced forced into it uh with a bad experience on two assets mm-hmm. and the only way out was to was to build and so now yeah. i'm extremely grateful for that the level of control and clarity that being vertically integrated gives us is I wouldn't trade it for anything. Um, but it wasn't a, again, my, my hand was forced. Uh, seems to be a, 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 almost a common story out there. Um, you know, and anybody listening, that's contemplating, contemplating being an operator. That's, you know, the biggest, <clears throat> the biggest piece of the operations is uh, is that management company. Um, Cause once you get your capital stack together and you get your lender and your equity on board, that's a lot of work up front. But mm-hmm. once you close, there's there's not much going on there. Uh, a little bit of investor relations and updates and things, but it's all about the operations. And yeah, um, yeah sometimes an operator's just got to take take matters into their own hands. So, what Absolutely. does that team look like for you guys once you uh, once you decided to create that company?
1: So you know, once we decided to create the company, we kind of split roles in in the sense that one other person would be the person who would really oversee just the operations part on the on the asset side you know visiting the property overseeing the hiring you know all of that um and then we split roles on the back-end payroll accounting uh setting up the enterprise to be compliant you know from all aspects workers comp insurances and all of that which was actually a big learning curve we started another person you know took on the role of basically creating you know, standard operating procedures, understanding uh, implementation of, uh, we use Appfolio, right? So we actually right. rolled out Appfolio uh, across the board and that's how we kind of split responsibilities, if you will. And sure. to your point that you just said, right, um, for people who are just getting into a syndication or, you know, who will want to do it, right, treat this, this aspect of, of property management and asset management As is as a business, right? You get your capital stack, that's, you know, you raise money, you have your debt, and then you basically have investor relations and asset management. Both of these are just like running a company. You know, you have to be disciplined. You need to be detail-oriented. And if you're not that mindset of being detail-oriented, which I'm not really um, personally not great at, which I had to pick up on being, Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you will suffer. I mean, this will, this will not be something that you will want to do. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred percent. So you got to kind of find your, what you're good at and your strengths, and and find partners or vendors to to fill in the rest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Totally. So what are you guys seeing? Um, are you in acquisition mode right now? So we're talking in uh right in the middle of 2022 right now kind of mm-hmm. right at the halfway point um are you guys out there in the market uh as buyers or what's your uh, what's your approach
1: so we are we're both as a buyer and seller we're selling mm-hmm. a big portion of our portfolio right now with, right. because we've already gone into contract pre the fed rates were you know I, were hiked and we i think you know our business plan called for a five-year exit. We basically hit our projections within eighteen months, and we're selling those assets, which is great for our investors. Um, and we're actually in a process of buying uh, two different acquisitions right now, as we as we speak, in the middle of May. Obviously, um, we're seeing a big spike in the interest rates, but you know we've all already in our underwriting model have factored those increases in, right, you have to, and that's where the diff- key differentiation is when you're starting off or you're already in the market. And, you know, if you've not uh, taken into account these interest rates, there's going to be a lot of, you know, a lot of pain in the market because of people not underwriting it because typical holds are like three to five years, you know, and people want to get out. And if your business plan extends beyond that and in your interest rate and you're on a bridge debt, on uh, a floating rate, that rates jumped quite a bit, but we've already taken those into account. Um, right. where th- these are value-add, you know, bridge debt type of deals. Um, and actually, a lot of syndicators probably have not seen this, but, you know, the rate caps, the prices on them have jumped, uh, you know, and, you know, so you sense. have to take that into account. I mean, it could absolutely kill a deal just because of the rate cap.
0: Right. Yeah. Rate cap that was $20,000 30 months ago is $400,000 now.
1: Yeah. It's, big jump. it's huge. It's a big jump. So, you know, if you're underwriting a deal, you have to take all of those factors. Insurance is one one of those things that's jumped quite a bit too in the markets that we're in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, you know, there's always headwinds and tailwinds. We always talk mm-hmm. about that. Uh, rent growth, though, at least in Texas, has been exceptionally strong. I'm sure Atlanta and the Southeast, it's, it's a similar
1: story, right? Right, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we've in some, um, some zip codes or neighborhoods, we're seeing even as high as 20% increase, oh uh, increases year right. over year. But, you know, it's just overall rent. I think the silver lining of the story has been the rent hikes. You know, it's just we're, we're definitely the pricing on the rent pricing has always surpassed our underwriting models. And that kind of is what, you know, saves most of the deals. Yeah. Uh, you could, you could, and the, you know, the last three to five years, even most syndicators, all of them look really good. It's not because just because of them, it's because of the market of the, of how the rents have been able to, how we've been able to push rents, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fundamentally, these types of assets are undersupplied. They, they can, yeah. cannot create new ones. You cannot recreate a 1980s construction apartment complex. Um, and most the, of the new ones
1: are A class. You know, no one's actually right. thinking about building. You know, low income housing, and nope. it's not something. And the, the the numbers don't work unless you have tax credits or whatever. Right. Um, if you're building ground up right now, they're all kind of targeting that A class. And that's where this work for housing, you know, you're not creating a lot of those, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. So within the four Oaks capital team, where have you found yourself kind of settling in, in terms of, in terms of duties? Is it more on the asset management side, more on the capital or investor side? How how does that work for you?
1: So uh, within the four Oaks um, team, I'm more on the capital side. You know, that's my main responsibility. My, my, my own portfolio, I kind of, look over um, the asset management end as well, um, mm-hmm. just to kind of see it over. But um, my, my main area within the syndication company, which is for Oaks, has been on the capital side, raising money from friends, family investors, and you know, everyone that we've kind of worked in the past and all of that. So.
0: Sure, sure. You, are you guys doing 506B offerings or C or both? Or how do you approach that?
1: We kind of do a mix of both. Right. Yeah. Um, we've had um we've had some investors that are not, so we kind of allow that, so but it's a limited number. Um right. So yeah, we we I think are around I should say about 30 people or so within or less can't remember right. the number of metrics, but yes, a mix of both.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. We do the same mm-hmm. thing. If you were <clears throat> gonna kind of talk to yourself a few years ago, you know, with what you know now and having gone through these deals and bought and sold deals and and run this business. Um, what are some things you would share with yourself when you were starting out that you that you know now and have kind of learned sometimes maybe the hard way.
1: Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot that I've learned the hard way. You know, I would have I would have probably educated myself better, you know. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I wish I I did jump into into it. I did take time um, to get trained and educated and, and all of that. Uh, I would love to learn. I I would have learned a lot more about how debt kind of worked, right? Right. Um. And how leverage kind of worked, which is probably the greatest thing in terms of real estate investing. Anyone who's probably getting into it, that's probably one you know one of the main areas that you would really want to understand how debt leverage, how those debt markets kind of work, how interest rates and ec- economic changes, you know, kind of push the rates and, and things like that. That's one thing I would personally, I would have bought a lot more. Of course. You know, you know, had I, what I'd known now, had I known five, 10 years ago, I personally would have bought a lot more. It's the same thing with you. I mean, we would probably buy the whole block. Had we would have bought every
0: deal that hit my desk five yeah. years ago that I was wringing my hands over and, you know, had a seven and a half exit cap, eight exit cap on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Did have have bought, bought every
0: it. single one would have worked out amazingly. But yeah,
1: like pre-COVID when we were underwriting deals, we were like, we would look at so many different factors um, right. to make a decision. But, you know, there were, there were people scooping up these deals, right? Even now, I mean, a deal pencil does not pencil for us. We don't do it. Um, right. And that kind of actually bit us a little bit because we were not able to do a lot of deals um, as in the last last year or so. I mean, we were still in market. We we acquired about 300 units, but we should have done more, a lot more um, considering what's what's happened. But, you know, if there's no crystal ball and you always have to, your business plan is a business plan and you have to stick to it regardless of what happens. So that's, our that's,
0: philosophy. yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, we don't have a crystal ball. So all we have is our standards mm-hmm. and you really just have to stick to your standards, whatever they are. Maybe they're different for my firm than they are for your firm, but you, you have mm-hmm. to have standards and you have to stick to them. Um, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, yeah, you look great today. If you, if you just scoop bought the whole block five years ago, but um, we can't just recklessly buy everything, uh, yeah. and, you know, and assume continuing compressed cap rates or whatever, you know, you can make any deal pencil on paper, but got to stick to your standards and obviously investors appreciate that. And anybody that's yeah. been in this business understands that uh, we've got to deal with whatever the market throws at us. And there's certainly variables and COVID was a variable that really nobody saw coming, but uh, you know, you've, you've got to stick to your under, underwriting standards on the front end for sure
1: yeah that's that's 100% and you know we we do see people in the market today that actually kind of are on the aggressive side which is good for them and i think um you know with with the slowing down market cycle things probably will change a little bit but i we don't i don't personally see it slowing down as much we might see uh, a stagnant rent, uh, rate rate at some point but you know the prices of multifamily are still like we're projecting them to go up so you know we're still we're sticking to our standard in terms of where what what what's what we underwrote them to but we still think it, it is a good investment opportunity
0: right yeah fun if you're in areas where population is growing and you've got a supply constraint and you've got growing rents mm-hmm. that's all that all bodes well in general for the for the sector so that's good. Um, How about on the investor side? What, you know, what do you tell that investor or prospective investor that's new to syndications? Um, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly amazed how many like well educated people with capital to deploy have never heard of a syndication, right? And and that's part of what this podcast is, is just kind of educating people that this exists, period. But what do you tell that person that's, that's uh, got the wherewithal and the desire to invest, but they haven't, they haven't made it, you know, an LP investment in a multifamily deal?
1: Yeah, so um, this is it's this is a great question, you know, really kind of hones in on my purpose of actually doing syndications, right? And that's where I talk to a, a lot of people that are in the in my sort of realm of um, you know, focus, which is tech uh, tech people who who never actually get in, exposed to syndications. And that there's a ton of people that actually have never heard about syndications or even like alternative investments which which pretty much they know there's a stock market and you can always buy a single family home right right so it's it is an education process of saying hey there is an there is an avenue for you to invest outside and which is you know obviously SEC regulated and all of that stuff and you know we kind of our first step in the process is actually to educate them about how multifamily as a business works. You know, how does a business plan kind of work? Um, if it is a value add deal or if it's a pure um, cash flowing deal where we're pushing rents, um, we always try to educate them on, you know, historical or how historical the markets have performed and why a particular um, community or a particular city is a good investment opportunity considering that I live in California a ton of people are from here and a lot not a lot of people know anything what goes on in the southeastern markets that we invest so the first step in the process to your point is to really educate them about the um, about how this whole business model works and what what has been our history of performance and really showing them that there is an avenue, which a lot of people are, you know, anything more than 8%, they're, they have a hard time believing because they've never right. actually seen it. Right? right? Yeah. And all of these people that I talk to have one ks that they probably look at it once in three months, right? Once a quarter tops. Um, but, you know, really getting them out of that mindset saying, hey, you know, you have to understand that if you project um, these returns at 8% that you're saying, which probably will not be an 8%, you can never, you know, kind of beat the market average, right? You're always going to be below that. Your trajectory for when you actually have the freedom that you're talking about to either retire or do something is not there while, you know, and we actually have an analysis of how we compare the returns on a syndicated model on a million dollars. Compared to um, a stock market return on million dollars, and I think it really opens their eyes. And you know, when when they start seeing that I've done it, they trust what I've done and what my track record is, has been. They start getting really interested.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it's very much a relationship based yeah. uh, based business, which is which is great. Uh, it's yeah. very rewarding i guess to kind of open up this opportunity or be a conduit for this opportunity for other people in our network friends family that kind of thing so uh that's yeah. a that's a nice yeah and the kind of
1: you know the kind of um you know they're all of them are grateful once they see how this works right, right? They've, they've gone into multiple deals not sure. just with us they've gone into multiple deals after like we i've even referred good uh good operators to them right sure and there's a lot of family and, family and they're always coming back saying, Hey, what's next, right? Do you know anyone? Do, do we talk to anyone? That sort of thing. And, you know, part of it is definitely helping people really get to what their whatever their, you know, uh, whatever their vision or goal or financial goal is, just mm-hmm. being a part of that journey is, is actually very satisfying. I mean, that's probably what what I'm in it for. And I think that that's where I'm cost- making a difference in their lives. I think that's, that's the most, that's the most rewarding part of about this business. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously so there's money and all of that stuff. But.
0: Sure. Yeah. Imp- improving the community, mm-hmm. the financial gain, uh, but to bring along investors that are just regular folks that are friends or acquaintances is, yeah. is pretty powerful too. So yeah, you're
1: impacting their lives and probably, possibly their, you know, their, their next generations too. Right. Just helping them you know, grow their wealth faster. So
0: a hundred percent. I love it. Um, well, Kranti, thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. your story. If somebody wants to learn more and connect with you, what's a good avenue for them to do that?
1: Yeah. So all um, the social media sites on Kranti Panam, which is my website, um, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, or Facebook all of those, um, you can always connect with me and we'll be more than happy to talk to anyone about how, um, about my journey or my lessons or anything from there.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, we'll link to the website in the show notes. If you're listening to, to this, you can just go into the description and click, click straight through, uh, Kranti, thanks so much for jumping on. I I appreciate it. It was great to uh, chat with you. Wish you guys
1: continued success. All right. Thanks a lot, Devin. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Yep. Bye.